So this morning's scripture reading is found in Ephesians 4, and it's the first 16 verses. And it's my privilege to uh, read this to you this morning, where Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us, each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by crafty, craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Amen. Well, guys, it's a privilege to have Vic here with his family, Tanya, and the, their four kids. Taylor, I kind of embarrassed you guys didn't say your names or no? Okay, we got Taylor, we got Travis, we got Liam, and we got Amber. I mixed the two girls up, and uh, Tanya there. But Vic and Tanya are from South Africa. They've been here for seven years now? Yeah, in their seventh year, and they lead a church in Ajax, and they are awesome people. And it's our privilege to have them, to get to know them more. Um, our family's getting to know them way more and better, but also for our community to get to know them. It's a privilege to have them here. And this will be the first time you've preached live in like since COVID? Uh, yeah, almost. Yeah, mm. the pressure's on. So <laughs> let's heckle as much as possible. But honestly, though, guys, it's great to have Vic here. And um, his wife, they, this year, when, when did you open up your store? November. November, she just started an awesome little store in Ajax where they're selling all kinds of handmade goods. Joni's wall hangings are there. They're just a cool, creative family, and we're grateful to have them with us this morning. So let's treat them like they're family. Um, love them, bless them, encourage them, and let's listen with our whole hearts this morning. Okay, guys? So without further ado, Vickis, standard. You. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Can you uh, all hear me okay? I think yeah. I'm coming through. Fantastic. Yeah, I um, I have to admit, I am a little rusty in terms of live preaching. You know, uh, preaching to camera has meant that, you know, every now and then you make a mistake and you fix it. 
you know? Or you just go, no, I'm going to start a game. Uh, we're not going to do that today. I believe you have a, a, you know, a limit as to how long you could use this venue for. Um, I mean, there are some benefits to doing a church online. Uh, I, I just heard you guys are going back into lockdown tomorrow, so I guess it's a little bit more of that for you guys. Uh, I mean, one of the benefits, for example, is currently right now, I'm actually leading worship, my other church, online. And I'm able to preach live over here. So, you know, so this is first time I've taken that for a spin. I hope it's going okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I am grateful for you know some of the benefits that that has come, and some of the things that we've learned. But I mean, just this is just phenomenal to be able to see your some of your faces, um, you know, part part of your faces, the good bits. It seems to be uh, is is really really nice. <laughs> so. Uh, thanks, Klaus, for le- reading those first few, um, those 16 verses of chapter 4. Uh, I'm going to take us through those verses today, um, kind of making 9 or 10 stops along the way, if that's okay. So um, these verses follow, you know, these words, or, uh, they all follow along from each other quite naturally. So there's, a, there's an idea, there's a, there's a train of thought that, that Paul is developing. And so um, we're going we're gonna to do that. I know that this is a transition for you in your series through Ephesians. You're kind of uh, calling this a new way, uh, you know, building on top of the, the first three chapters, which is filled with rich theology. This is kind of the way Paul did his letters, you know, first major theology, and then he moves into uh, um, practice, uh, you know, and, uh, and so Ephesians is no different. So it's going to get a bit more practical, you know, after he's kind of laid the, found, uh, the theological foundations. Um, and so, you know, we kick off with uh, verse 1. But before we do that, uh, I'm going to just pray for myself. Uh, that's okay. Uh, um, and so, if you'd like to pray with me, for me, uh, I'm inviting you to do that now, too. So, we thank you so much, Heavenly Father, that you uh, are here by your Spirit. Jesus is here by His Spirit. Um, and so, Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit inspired these very verses, as, as Paul uh, you know, whether he dictated them to someone or wrote it himself, Lord, we, we know that you are behind these words. Yeah. And so, who else would help us make sense of that than you? Uh, know the original intent behind these words. And so we, we invite you now to open our eyes and open our ears to hear from you and to learn from you. And I want to ask you to help me. Just as I look at these verses, I want to say what you are saying. Uh, and, and we want to hear what you are saying to us. So we surrender everything over to you in this moment um, and uh, we invite you to come and mold us to make us more like Jesus yeah. in Jesus name I pray amen, amen. amen. so verse 1 kicks off by uh, Paul saying therefore a prisoner of the Lord I urge you and you know this could be point one but maybe it's just an introductory comment but I, I, I think that if I received a letter like this from a guy in prison you know I'd be like okay you know, I, you, you got me, okay? You're in, you're in prison and, and you're like, listen, I want you to live like this and I want you to pay attention to this. For me, it's like, I, I would have probably leaned on that. If I, if I wanted like a certain community to live a certain way, I'd be like, hey guys, I'm in chains. You know, come on now, I'm, I'm in prison. All right, throw me a bone. You know, just, just behave, please. And what's amazing is that Paul doesn't actually play that card. I mean, he says, yeah, I a prisoner. He talks about that. But if anything, Paul is saying, I'm so serious about this 
that I'm willing to be imprisoned for these truths that I've shared with you. That's pretty much all he's saying. But he's not saying, guys, because I'm in prison, please pay attention. He doesn't play that card. No, he's actually referring, as we will continue to read in verse 1, he urges them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So he's not saying I'm urging you because I'm in prison. He's like I'm urging you, I'm urging you because you've been called, and and walk in a manner worthy of that. And so you know the first stop we're making here is yes, Paul's a prisoner, but he's not using that as a leverage thing. He's using the calling. He's saying I want you to remember. Remember those first three chapters, Ephesians 2, verse 6, we have been raised with Christ. We sang that amazing song today about Christ is risen, and as Christ followers, we experience resurrection life as well. He's saying you've been raised with Christ, and you're seated with Him. So he's, he's basically saying, before you walk, I want you to take a seat. I, I, want, you know, I don't want you to walk because I'm in prison, and you feel guilty for that. I don't want you to walk because you think that by walking, you will get to sitting, like if you live a certain way, then you'll arrive at your destination where, you know, you might sit down with Jesus. He's like, no, this has been done for you already. I want you to take a seat. I want you to rest. I want you to remember the, uh, the manner in which you've been called and then walk in accordance with that. Sit first before you walk. You know, I'm doing this Marvel uh, marathon with my boys. And some of my, my girls, too. Uh, so watching all the Marvel movies in their chronological order. It's like 23 or 24 movies of them. We're, we're nearly at the end. And so I love the one scene where Iron Man, okay, in one of the movies, he's finally refined his suit. And, you know, there's an emergency somewhere. And he hasn't taken it for a spin yet. And so, you know, he says to, I think it's Jarvis at that stage, or whatever AI he's speaking to, he's saying, you know, sometimes you've got to run before you crawl. Right, because it was like we haven't tested the suit yet. He's like, I want to get out there, and he says, Jarvis, sometimes you got to run before you've got to crawl. This is not kind of an Iron Man kind of kind of issue here. All right, actually, we sit before we walk. The, the, the conduct always follows the calling, because only in Christ, only when you seated in what He's done for you, are you actually able to live the way that Paul encourages us to live. Yeah, it's the only way. There is no way where you say, I'm going to just you know run before I crawl. You're going to fall unless you're seated, unless you're established in what God has done for you. We don't walk in order to sit. We don't even walk in order to thank God, to pay Him back for what He's done. There is no way that your uh, uh, obedient walking to, G, uh, to, to His ways would ever earn and meet up with what God has done for you in Christ. So, so there's no sense that you're walking in order to sit. You're walking in order to thank God for what He's done. You actually sit in what He's done for you. And then your conduct falls because only uh, follows because it's only then can you accomplish it. So that's our first stop that we made. And then we carry on reading verse two. Uh, you know, I'll urge you to walk in a manner worthy uh, uh, to, to, of the calling to which you've been called. Verse one. Verse two says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Our second stop, you know, at, at these verses means that we realize that this walking isn't alone. We've got company, right? Like you hear, you know, with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. So, we, so often we love the story of the footprints on the sand, right? You know, it's like Jesus, you know, like where were you when it was really hard? I only see two footprints. And it's like, oh, you know, that moment I was carrying you. And that's very cute and everything. But I don't think Christianity is, you know, a beach with a few footprints, 
It's more like a crowded beach. You know what it's like when you go to the beach, hey? It's like you've got sand on your towel because some person walks past and they're inconsiderate of the wind that's blowing in your direction. And so, you know, all your packed lunch has got sand in and it's sand in your pants and it's beach balls in your face and it's just people everywhere. There's nowhere to sit and then the tide comes in and then your towel gets wet and no one wants... It's like, that's more like what the Christian life is like than this serene two footprints on the sand, you know, with the sun setting. I'm sorry, it's, it's, it doesn't exist. It's not like that. It's this crowded beach. And of course, these verses show us that it's like that. Because why would he say, walk with humility and, and gentleness and, and patience, bearing with one another, not even bearing with one another. He's saying this is not mere tolerance. He wants you to bear with one another in love. So it's way deeper. It's not sort of a cultural, cultural thing of like, well, you think this, I think that, and we just tolerate each other. No, this is bearing with one another in love because we've got company. It's not a you and Jesus walk. It's actually a crowded beach. And so he's saying, okay, but you actually need to sit in the peace that Jesus has accomplished. Remember, you talked about one new man, humanity that Jesus accomplished for you, bringing Jew and Gentile together. Uh, old and young and rich and poor and slave and free, this amazing. You need to sit in that truth if you're going to bear with one another the differences that we face and that we see around us. And so he, he carries on in verse 3. He says, you have to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so the next stop reminds us that we've got to keep it together. Keep it together because he's already accomplished peace. Our job is not to make peace or to create peace but to maintain peace and unity. We start unified in Christ. But then, of course, we threaten that unity and how we treat one another, which is why we have to be reminded to be humble, to be patient, and to bear with one another. We don't create the unity. He does. We maintain the unity. And we'll see the, the language of, of one body with many parts coming out soon. We just have to live this out, friends. Simply have to live this out. I, I love the, the word, the bond of peace. You know, the bond speaks of being arrested and being held. And, and peace is interesting. We know Ephesians 2, you looked at it. You know, the, the, the Jew and the Gentile that's been reconciled now in the gospel. Um, that peace there is a result of reconciliation. It is the state of reconciliation. When you're at peace, you've been reconciled. So maintain the unity of the bond of peace. Keep it together, is what he's saying. And unity, friends, it's, it's not an option. It's not like some Christians are into unity and others aren't. It's like, because what Christ has done for you, that is, that is how we ought to be. We, we, it's, a, it's an instruction, a command. Maintain the unity. Because we know that it's a witness to the watching world. And, uh, yeah, of course, it's much easier to say cheese for the picture than it is to share the cheese with the people in the picture. But that is what Jesus has called us to do. I love the, the analogy that Tom used. I've caught up a little bit on your series, and I know that the, the, the analogy of mayonnaise has come through. through. And I love that, because I, I mean, I'm crazy about mayonnaise. I put it on most things, uh, not all things. Of course, peanut butter, sandwiches, no mayo, and no mayo on my breakfast, unless it's egg on a, on a, on a you know, pastry or something. Um, but I, I love that, you know, oil and water. That's like often what it's like. I mean, even, even, even think about the humanity and, and God, you know, it's like sinless and, and sinful. Like God somehow through Jesus, you know, and the Holy Spirit has brought us together. It's the same with us in our community. I mean, we, we, you know, he is the egg, right? Egg is the thing that takes 
the oil and the water and turns it into this amazing thing called mayonnaise, uh, which my wife, by the way, she built, she's, she's baked a chocolate cake with mayonnaise before. Amazing. So when I say we put mayonnaise on most things, I, I'm not exaggerating. Okay. So let's keep reading. Let's, let's see what other stock we find here. We're going to read verse 4 to 6 now, where he says, um, you know, he, he, he said the unity before, and then he goes on, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. All right, he's making a point here. Like he's talking about unity and then he's just, you just hear the word one, 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 one. He's kind of making his point here, isn't he? And he's saying, where does this unity come from? You know, if, why do I want you to, to live in unity like that? Well, he's referring to God I mean, and, and God's church, which is his body, one body. And through one spirit, there's one hope. One Lord, one gospel, okay, which is the faith and the baptism he speaks of. One God, one Father. And if we represent him, a triune God, you know, the word unity is in there, this mystery of three and one. One God, three persons. Like, so so the, in, in the same way, we are to be unified. We get that from God. So we represent him. There is in reality not several versions of the Father. You know, I, we, my wife and I laughed once we... We had a, a meal with someone who wanted to bless us with a meal. You know, Christians love to do that. And we were just so grateful, you know. It took us to a restaurant. And in the end, we were just like, man, this is so amazing. Thank you so much for paying for this meal. And, and she, she didn't quite hear what we're trying to say because she said, listen, I don't know about your father, but my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And, you know, all of a sudden it was like, yeah, yeah, I mean, we believe in the same thing. But we're not saying there's two fathers, like your version of the father that's generous and ours that's stingy. You know, it's like, that's not helpful language. And so, so Paul is saying, there's one Father, there's one God. And more importantly, there's one way to salvation. One way. All of us sitting here, none of us can say, well, it's because I actually lived really well. You needed the grace of Jesus, but I got there on merit. No one can claim that. There's one salvation, one way through. And therefore, as a church, there should be one oneness, unity. Like none of us can claim, oh, this group over here, they got there through a different route different route, as you guys like to say. No, no, there was one way, one Lord, one baptism, which represents death to self, raised up with Christ in the grave, identifying with the death of Jesus because my sin was on him. He paid the price I should have paid. That's just, that's the only claim all of us have. And so why? There shouldn't be fractions. There shouldn't be a fractured church because there isn't a fractured father, son and spirit. But wait, you know, the question is then, okay, well, if there's this oneness, you know, we should all be the same. Does that mean uh, uniformity? No. No, he carries on. All right, so Ephesians 4, 7. says, but grace, grace was given to each one of us. Grace was given. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Right? What goes on here? What's going on here? It sounds like Paul's like forgetting his train of thought. No, he's not. First of all, I mean, he starts off by saying grace is given. We all know what grace is. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. You know, this is this one gospel thing. And, and even saying that grace is given. In other words, it's not earned. He's not talking about a saving grace. He's not saying to each one grace is given. Um, he's not really talking about a saving grace. 
He's talking about a serving grace, as we will keep on speaking, okay? Uh, as we keep on reading. Um, and, and, and his whole you know, discourse on ascended, descended kind of vibe there, he's just making it clear that Jesus came from heaven. Okay? It's a logical argument. He says, you know, if the, if the one ascended, uh, you know, who gives gifts, you know, gifts to serve the church, to be different, but still unity, unified, if he ascended, well, obviously it means he descended then as well. That's why, you know, he's talking about Jesus, the incarnation. He came to earth. And, he, and he's quoting from Psalm 68 and another Old Testament passage there. That is just God being the victor. And, you know, like back then when you conquered, you got all the spoils, you know, from your conquering quest. And then you share the gifts or the king receives the gifts. But this Jesus king that we know, he, he's the one, although he's won everything, he's now the one who shares his spoils with his followers. This is, this is what he's trying to say. Um, and and the, the, the point here, that it is not earned, it's, a, it's given, all right? Through, through the, the saving work of Jesus, the, the, the serving grace is not earned, it's also given to us. Okay, so, so let's keep reading. Let's make our, um, you know, fifth or sixth stop. I don't know where we are right now. Verse 11 to 12, uh, he says, these gifts he's given, he, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints... For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Right, so at this stop, he's basically saying uh, all hands should be on deck. All hands. And he, and he starts and he lists the five-fold gifts, or maybe the four-fold gifts, depending on how you interpret this verse. Okay, Because pastors and teachers, this often uh, put together, even the original language, they say it, they reference differently to the other uh, three or four. And so it's quite interesting Every spiritual gift list in the New Testament is never a complete list. Right? You can find them in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, of course in Ephesians 4 here. Everywhere they, they list incomplete. But what is interesting about these gifts listed here is it actually speaks about the person more than necessarily the gift. You know, the evangelist, the, the pastor, the, the apostle. So there's a very personal aspect to this. So, you know, Paul is talking about relationships here. Unity in the church. And so he, you know, he's not just referring to like the gift separate from the person. He's, he's kind of talking to about these people who are um, these gifts. And, uh, and I want you to notice that these are given by Jesus, right? They are merely recognized by the church, but they are given by Jesus. You know, they, they're not self-appointed because they're not self-anointed. Right? This, is, this is Jesus who gives these gifts. And there's safety in recognizing these gifts in a community like this. Where we go, that person, when it comes to sharing the gospel, I mean, we'll see now that these ones, the character trait of these ones is that they're able to equip others to do that. So there's like, that person, doesn't, it's not just good at explaining the gospel to, to others, sharing the gospel, but able to coach and train others. We see that on their lives. It's not like, who here likes to be an evangelist? Let me see your hands. Okay, great. It doesn't work that way. There's a sense that Jesus makes you these gifts. And Jesus' people goes, yeah, I can clearly see that. There's a trail of evangelists and, 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 and prophetic people and, 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 and pastors, teachers in the wake of this person. That is, that is really how good God is, is. He gives these gifts so that they can train others for the job. They are not appointed or even paid, whether they're on staff or not, to actually play these parts for you and me. Actually, no, they are appointed to prepare you for the parts you are to play. Let me say that again. They're not appointed or even paid to play these parts for you, but to prepare you for playing these parts. Okay? That's amazing. 
Church is not a football stadium, friends. We know what they are like. It's like a thousand referees and, and coaches sitting there and just a few people actually playing the game. That's not how the church works. All right, we'll, we'll discover as we keep reading that true maturity is actually people leaving the comfort of their spectator seats. That's been one of the hardest things of online church, I must be honest with you, is keeping people out of the spectator seats. I mean, church is already hard. It's already tough like that. You know, just think about this venue. Everybody is facing one person, one stage. Oh, this is a reminding me to pray for people on our Alpha guest. Lord Jesus, the guests on our Alpha, please would you show your, 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 your grace to them? Would you open their eyes? Would you, would you allow them to, to see who you are, Jesus? Would your kingdom come in their lives? I pray that in your name. Sorry about that. 11.02, I pray Luke 11.02 every day for people that are on our guests. And I forgot that it's in the middle of the sermon. Again, another thing that live preaching has made me forget. Okay. Or, or the lack of live preaching. So I was saying that uh, mature believers are ones who actually get out of the spectator seats. And this has been a battle in the Western church. We're set up to be consumers. The way that our venues are structured and the way the, where the lights are pointing and who, who, who's, you know, the state. It's like, it's, it's tough. Paul is saying, actually, mature believers are the ones who are willing to get out of the seats and play the game, get onto the field, get onto the pitch. I, I think of, um, you know, the mistakes I've made in purchasing my wife uh, birthday gifts. Don't do this, guys. Don't buy your wife a kitchen appliance. Just, I don't know. I mean, I've done it twice. I think I've done it twice. I mean, I didn't once. Okay, she's so gracious, but I think I did it twice. And the first time I didn't learn, you know. And, uh, and, and there's a sense that when you buy, you know, your wife a kitchen appliance, you're basically asking her to do some more work, isn't it? It's like, it's not to make it easier. It's actually to make it harder for her. It's like, now she's got to use this thing, you know. And, and feel, if she doesn't, she feels bad because you spend the money for your birthday. It's just a terrible scenario. Don't ever do it. But there's a sense that this, these are the gifts Jesus has given us. He's not, too, he's not like, you know, worried about being politically correct or impressing us. He's, like, he's basically, the gift he's given us, you know, the, the five or the fourfold ministry is to equip us to do the work. All right. It is a blender. I'm sorry about it. It is a food processor. It is a, it is a mixer thingy-me-bobby, whatever. It is an ironing board. And I'm sorry. Okay. That's, he's, he's giving us these gifts so that we could use them so we can get to work. And Jesus is not like, you know, Pharaoh. We heard about the Exodus, you know, in your reading. You've just come out of that. Remember the story where Exodus, uh, where Pharaoh expected the Israelites to make more bricks with less straw. That's not the Jesus we serve. He's the one that equips the ones he calls. So remember, he calls you first, and then he asks you to do the job. You sit in what he's done for you, and then he's like, now walk in a manner worthy of that. Oh, and by the way, here are the tools. There's no like, get out there and I hope you perform well. Otherwise, there's no seat over here. No, he's like, he gives all the blessings up front. And then he equips you for the job. That's amazing. It's amazing. And this is a description here of discipleship, really. You know, people saying, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, coaching them, walking alongside them. I, I even think, you know, these gifts are often used in the context of a, of, of a, of a local church advancing the, the, the mission of Jesus alongside other churches. And, and I think about our movement, Advance. I know you guys are journeying, partnering more, more closely with Advance, which, which I'm, I'm so thrilled about. Because I have learned so much as I've had phone, weekly phone calls with Tom and, and listened to what you guys are doing and, 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 and what God's doing in his life. Our church is enriched by that. 
And, and it's the same, and it's vice versa, it works the same way. Um, I'm so grateful for these recognized gifts of, of men and women, leaders in, in, in churches that we partner with, that we have access to. Uh, and as I said, the, their qualifications are, are to, uh, um, for, for these leaders is, is that they raise others up in a similar way. It's not just that they're evangelistic, but that they raise up evangelists, for example. And so there's this church-on-church discipleship that happens in and around these gifts as well. That I'm so grateful for. I've been a benefactor of in our local church uh, uh, in, in Ajax. And I trust you would be as well. And so we know apostles lay foundations. I'm not going to get into each of these gifts. There's probably uh, a teaching for another time. Uh, you know, prophets, you know, is, is, is not just the prophetic that everybody should be with, which is you hearing from God, right? God speaking to man through man in its, in its ba- most basic sense is, is what every Christian is able to do because we've been given the Holy Spirit. But, you know, the gift of a prophet is that to raise up others as well. Same with evangelism, preaching the gospel effectively and, you know, helping others do the same. And pastor teacher is an interesting one because, like I said, it's a... It's, it's not always separate. You know, the danger is if it's just pastor that, you know, there's coddling and caring to the extent that there's not necessarily some, some, uh, some weighted truth. But if you're just teaching, it's just too academic and disconnected from people. So I think it's quite strategic that the scriptures kind of put them together with a, with a hyphen in between them. Because pastors and teachers are supposed to feed the sheep by helping them feed on the answers in scripture. And so let's carry on reading. Okay, verses 12 to 14. These gifts are there to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. Paul is basically saying, yeah, the gifts are there so that we could grow up. He's, he's just saying, come on, let's grow up. And, and I love, he's moving from the building analogy. You see that in chapter 2 of Ephesians, you know, that, that we are building to the body analogy, the body metaphor. We one body, the body of Christ, the church. And if Jesus makes one new humanity, you know, one new body, he's committed to making sure this body, this humanity is mature as well. He's giving the gifts the, the equipping leaders in order for the saints to do this and to grow up together. You know, mature manhood in verse 13 here. Really, you know, the, the, the person that we're looking to is Jesus. You know, we wanting to become like and look like Jesus. It says to the measure or the, uh, of the stature of Jesus. So, um, of course, that is the target that we, we're looking at. Verse 14 tells us to, to not be children any longer, no longer be children. You know, tossed to and fro by the waves and the winds. And just think about, you know, I have a couple of beach analogies. You can see winter is very long and I'm longing for the, for the beach weather again. But, you know, I don't know. You can just see kids, you know, at the edge of the waves breaking. I mean, they, they have no chance, you know, depending on which ocean you're at as well, you know. Maybe Lake Ontario is not so bad, but I tell you, um, you know, the, the uh, Indian Ocean or the Pacific Ocean, like, you know, the waves take them down, you know. Tumbling and uh, and you often have to run to their rescue. Sometimes that they enjoy it and sometimes they don't The dads enjoy it. The moms don't enjoy it too much But um, you know, there's a sense that kids don't have a, a foothold. They easily toppled over 
There's a reason why kids believe stories like, you know, the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. I hope I'm not ruining it for some kids over here right now. But there's a, there's a sense that there's immaturity and therefore they're easily swayed. Opinions. Oh, really this? Oh, really that? And so, so Paul is saying, no, actually, if we allow ourselves to be in community, to be uh, under uh, the, the le good leadership, Jesus' leaders, actually, it protects us from every wind of doctrine, you know, the fads and the secondary ideas. You know, I've not been a Christian forever. I'm in my 40s now, and I came to know Jesus just before my 20s. And, uh, but it's amazing that over two decades, I have seen you know, the fads come in, blow in through the church, you know, emphases, and then, then it changes. Uh, and I'm sure there will be many more. Every decade has got its stories to tell. And so this is protecting us from that, you know, that we are not people who seem uh, like, like we lack unity because we're chasing after this, and then that's not cool anymore. Then we're chasing after that, and that's not cool anymore. And then, of course, the, also the relational things, the craftiness and the deceitful schemes, you know, maybe some of the wolves that makes its way into the sheep uh, fold. Actually, uh, you know, he's calling us to maturity because mature believers in a community submitted to good leaders um, are actually ones that can withstand uh, the waves and the winds. Because when you're on your own, when you're saying, I don't need leadership, but I don't need a community, <laughs> that's actually when you're vulnerable. Yeah. That's actually when the enemy can come and take you down. It's true. Next stop is verse 15. He says, no, don't be like that. Don't be, you know, tossed to and fro by the waves and the wind, um, be like immature kids, actually rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And so he's talking a little bit about tough love here. So when he says rather, he's saying, in other words, in order to not be that, do this, you know, this, you're know, speaking the truth in love, growing up under the head Jesus, fixes that, that, that immature uh, a view of of living uh, your life, and we know that you know truth without love can hurt because it's too hard. We know that love without truth can hurt because it's too soft, and actually only both can protect us from these waves and these gusts. And it's interesting that truth in love is not something you can actually do on your own. Yeah. You know yourself. You can't be truthful and loving to yourself. We're always either too hard on ourselves or we're too soft on ourselves. And so in God's wisdom, he's saying, I won't want you to be alone. It's not two footprints here. This, I want to put you on the beach, right amongst my people. Because there you can experience truth and love. People can tell you about your blind spots because they are your blind spots. You cannot see them. And actually, you can see their blind spots. They need you as much as you need them. And, you know, I think that if we are submitted to Jesus, where he says here, grow up into him, the head, who's Christ. And we, when we recognize His gifts, that it's not self-appointed, self-anointed people, because God gives and anoints them. In a community like that, submitted to Jesus and the, the people Jesus has given the church to lead, that we recognize after the fact, you know, like there's anointing, there's gifting on their lives. Actually, it provides a forum and a context where you can have a truth and love community. You take those things out. I mean, it, it's the Wild West. I'm sorry. It, it can hurt and break and... But when you are submitted to Jesus and, and His gifts, I think that we could be this community. I know we can, we can be this community. And so he says we grow up in every way. Growing up in every way assumes that, you know, because it's a, a group of different people, 
Not everybody's got growing up to do in certain ways, in certain areas. But the aim is for us to be one body, that in every way we mature. Whichever way it is you need to, this is the way to do it. We grow up into Him. As I said, you know, we, we look like Jesus. I mean, I love that analogy of Him being the head. I was talking to our church and our online devotions this week, and I used an example. A friend of mine who walked into, into the Waypoint, our church office, and uh, I mean, it took me a few takes. I'm like, are you the Amazon delivery guy? Like, you know, I, I kind of recognize the voice, but I haven't seen him for a while in person, so the hairstyle's throwing me off, and I'm like, oh, it's actually one of my neighbors, you know? There's a sense that the head, the face, is, is what we use to recognize someone, you know? I mean, I've, I've, oops, I've been here before to a church, but I must I've kind of re-met a whole bunch of you again because this is now what you look like. And so when we're growing up into Him, Jesus Christ the head, there's a sense that we want to look like Jesus. This is the record. We don't want, we don't want them to like recognize us by our posture and our funny, funny you know, body. We want, we want this to be the, the major thing. You know? We don't want to be a silhouette. We want to be the face of Jesus shining. And so... But him being the head also means that, you know, we know how the body works. That actually, if the head functions well, it gives the rest of the body its instructions. It's quite an important part of the body, this section over here. Not just to be able to recognize who it is, but to be able to function correctly. You know, and I, some of you might know I, I enjoy running and it's really hard to stay motivated through the winter. And, you know, I mix things up every now and then. And, and lately, I've been running not so tied up to my electronic watch. You know, it measures the distance and the heart rate and everything. I used to love looking at my pace every kilometer. And, and I've quite enjoyed just pressing start and, you know, putting all my layers on and not necessarily leaving a little gap so I can check in. And I've been reading up how people are saying, actually, you know, you should listen to your body. That's what they say. Listen to your body, you know. But as I thought about it, I'm like, it's not really listening to your body. It's actually listening to my brain. I'm, I'm, my brain is the one interpreting what my body is, the signals it's sending to it. I'm actually listening to my head when I'm running. I'm like, do I feel good? Am I tired? You know, where am I at? I'm actually listening to this. And there's a sense that a healthy body, the church, listens to the head. It gets its instructions from the head. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. Last verse. Last stop. From whom this, this head, from whom the whole body, right, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that, so that it builds itself up in love. This is some bodybuilding going on here. From whom, so as I said, it starts in the head, that's the source. That's why an isolated Christian is probably not connected to the head, at least not in a healthy way. There's a bit of dysfunction then, therefore, in the body. And the problem is never with the head. <laughs> the head's fine. And it says we are joined and held together. It's a reference to the bond of peace. It's more like a summary statement. Hey? The work of Jesus in the Spirit. We are joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. I think that's a clue. To the leadership, because it says these gifts were given to equip the saints, you and me, for the works of service. So I think it's a clue. The head and then the, the, the ligaments, you know, the, the leader Jesus and then the ligaments. Every joint with which it's, it's equipped. When each part, now it's the, the things that's joined to these ligaments, you know, the, the members of the body. When each part is working properly. That's it. There you see the, the unity 
in diversity. Not one big toe or one big knee or you know whatever body part you can think about, but all these different parts together. One head, unity, working together for the same, but not doing exactly the same thing, but working towards the same goal. It's an amazing analogy, amazing picture. And I think the more diverse a group of people are, the more, the, the more testament to the unifying work of Jesus and the gospel and the spirit. Think about that, you know. It's, it's amazing that the more diversity there is, and that group of different people working together as they follow Jesus, their leader, and they submit to the ligaments which the, the leaders Jesus given. And they all, it's an amazing witness to the world. When they come in, they go, who are you guys? Like, what, what kind of standard are you living by? Where, where's, your, where's your document? So I can see, because this is incredible. Are you functioning together? I think it's amazing. And it says, you know, ends up by saying, makes the making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love that's just the thing when when it works it grows yes and i know i mean every church wants to see life in that sense people growing individually growing as people come to faith in your community and then multiplying that out just like cells in a body would multiply when it works when there's unity when we see where we're seated in what christ has done and walk in a manner worthy of that and and honor one another honor the leaders honor the the saints for the work of service it's, it's interesting, but many people say that that list, you know, the, the fivefold ministry, it's an incomplete list because, you know, it's apostles, prophets, uh, um, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and I didn't write deacons in there because, you know, we know that, you know, elders and deacons in, in the scriptures are the leaders in the church. But I think if you read between the lines, you think about these people equipping the saints for the works of service, the root word, word for deacon is to serve. I think it's in there. Everyone's included in that statement. It's not an incomplete list. It's actually a complete list. And so, you know, we submit to the leader as we sit in what Christ has done for us. And we, and we honor the ligaments and we honor one another by allowing truth and love language to, to be among us. And we find ourselves growing up, maturing, you know, making it through the, the waves and the winds that may sweep through our town or sweep through our church. We stand are toppled over by those. And as I said, I'm so grateful for online church because it actually helped us as a community to also, as soon as these serving opportunities that people normally go do, you know, pour coffee over here, welcome at the door. It was very easy for us to just go, okay, just a few people can be involved here. And as a church, we've actually really fought hard to keep as many people, you know, involved, playing their part, actually even discovering their gifts. Like we're doing a series right now where 12 people in our church are preaching two uh, uh, a week. And it's not just because, hey, you have a voice, therefore you can speak. Like it's people that we've recognized, that there's, a, there's an eloquence there. And we've been able to coach them in ways we couldn't have done before because of recording things online. Take one, oh, that, actually work on this, work on that. You know what? Listen back to yourself. Like we, we're doing things we wouldn't have done if we weren't forced to a camera. Re, you know, review. It's, it's been an amazing thing. Different people playing in different parts because they can do it at home. Like you have a phone. Hey? You have a phone? I know you're afraid of the crowd. Guess what? It's just you and your iPhone, baby. Like, just make sure it's, it's, it's quiet. Film yourself reading our call to worship, please. Could you lead us in a moment of confession? Could you host for us on a Sunday? I know you're petrified. You shake when you're in front of a crowd. Now you can welcome the whole church. In fact, the whole world. Whoever wants to tune into to, to YouTube. And uh, you can hone your skill. You can be a host. You know, this is, this is what it means to be the body of Christ. Um, maybe one last story, and this is like connected to being South African. 
So as some of you might know, South Africans like to play rugby. And we won the Rugby World Cup, the last one in Japan. It's quite amazing. They made a documentary on it, which is called Chasing the Sun. And uh, in this uh, documentary, towards the last few games, you know, one of the, one of the players um, who I, I think is the fullback or he's a fly half or he's just one of all of them, Vili LaRue, yeah, you might not know who he is, but this, this documentary tells us about he got injured in the last few games. Uh, he hurt his shoulder. And he should be a person who can pass and catch, all right? And so when you hurt your shoulder, you can't do that anymore. And I was in the, in the room with other South Africans watching these games where this guy drops balls and everybody is posting memes of him and saying he should get out the team, not knowing the backstory. And so the documentary tells the backstory, amazing story of how this guy realized he's messing up uh, game after game, like these big catches, these big passes. He's not catching them. He's not passing like he should. He says to the coach, please, just take me off. Please take me off. And the coach, coach refused to do that. And at the next team meeting, he sat down. All the players are there, all the, all the trainers, you know, the A team, the B team, everyone's there. And he just played five or six clips of the last few tries, the points that they scored as a team. And all he did was he circled this guy, Vili Lerou, on there. Vili never scored the tries, but it was very apparent that even with his neopraxia, his injured shoulder, not able to catch or pass well, if he wasn't present, you know, a few, few moments before the tries, before the points scored, they wouldn't have been scored. That's all he needed to do. He just needed to say, this guy played his part. And, and you know, so often we, we think that, oh, the people who, who push, who push the, the ball forward, who scores the tries, or the guys preaching in the front and leading worship. And, and actually, I think uh, a healthy church is someone who can circle that guy at the back and just, just watch them week in and week out. See how they love that person. See how they approach that one other person who seems to be lonely. See how they help that little girl find her, her mommy. See how they helped, you know, pick up some of, you know, at the end, help clean up. They're not even on the roster. Those are the people that win the games. And Paul is saying that is what a, a church unified looks like. You know, a church with incredible leadership and, and a whole bunch of spectators is a divided church. You know where the line is? The line is here in front. It's us and them. And this is saying, no, we all together, each one has been graced. What is your gift that you've been graced with? If you don't know, your homework is to go and find out. Is to take some things for a spin. Is to speak to the leader saying, I want to count. Like, I don't necessarily want to be the person who kicks the ball or scores the try, but I want to be involved to the extent that even though no one knows, without me, I know. Maybe we wouldn't have achieved that. I want to play my bit. I want to encourage you, Anchor Point and Alliston. Worship the leader, the head, Jesus. I want to ask you to submit to the ligaments, the leaders. And I want to encourage you to honor the layman and the laywoman, the members, the, the body parts that you play as plays with. And let there be no division in the church. Don't think about arguments. I want you to actually move away from that. The silly stuff that we fight about. Oh, I believe Jesus is coming tomorrow. I believe he's coming next millennium. Those are silly, stupid arguments. That's, that's obvious disunity. The, the disunity in a church that, we, that Paul is fighting for is that secret little line between spectator yeah. you know, and participants. Yeah. Let's, let's get, get rid of that one. Okay? okay, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for the church. I thank you that she is beautiful. She is made up of these diverse bunch of people, different backgrounds, different giftings, and is able to, in unity, work together 
maturing so that we may look like you, Jesus. May we may witness to the world that we have been put together miraculously by the gospel and is able to do your job on this earth, is able to be your hands and feet in that sense. And I asked for that Alliston would experience uh, this kind of unity, a unity where all hands are on deck, where they're all working together, each one playing its part, not fighting over who should be in front and in the back, but just happy to serve you, happy to, to, uh, to, to recognize those whom you've given for a specific task, for a specific time. Would you protect this church Lord, from the wind and the waves that would want to scatter and, and, and divide them? Would you protect them? Would you mature them so that they're able to withstand, stand, anchored to the head from which uh, every joint and ligament is held together by the bond of peace, the, the, the Spirit of God that has brought this unity, that they are able to maintain, not create. That's your job. You've done it already. We could just live in that reconciled state, that peace. As each part, each member plays its part. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.